Welcome to Girls Who Read Porn. Please be advised that this podcast contains mature content for mature audiences. The title might have given that away, though. We would also advise you triple check the trigger warnings of each book prior to the episode. And if it's not for you, we'll see you next week. Each episode includes major spoilers, so make sure you read the book and don't say we didn't warn you. With all that in mind, on with the show. Let's get started. (laughs) Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Girls Who Read Porn. You're here with your favourite people, Ola, Betty and George. How are you girls? Good, yeah. Good. It's George's birthday, happy birthday George. (laughs) It is my birthday. Happy birthday. Um, That's my birthday love song dedication to you. Thank you, appreciate it. Now it's out for the world to see. Yeah, so sorry. The dog is playing with the squish toy behind me. Can't do anything about it. Um, <laughs> we are here with the guest today. <laughs> and we are here with the incredible Elle Sparrow. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. It's like, Rosie. Stop. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How are you today? You're having a good day? I am. It's actually my kiddo's birthday today, too. Oh, happy birthday to you. I feel like that's yesterday for us, though. But happy birthday. It's yesterday for us. That is true. The birthday's already gone. Yeah, it's Saturday morning. Yeah, it's Saturday morning here. Rosie, I might have to kill you, babes. Please stop. Just take the... Thank you. I'm so sorry. She's joking. Take the toy off her. (laughs) All right, let's get started. Let's ask you some questions, Elle. Um, What was it that originally got you into romance writing? Well, um, I've always enjoyed writing, um, and more than that, I've always been an avid reader, and uh, kind of a bit of a funny story. When the lockdown hit in 2020, and I was forced into close quarters with uh, my family, I kind of went stir-crazy, as I think everybody did, and I just felt like I needed something to do with myself for myself that wasn't parenting or part of my relationship or or normal work or something like that so I pulled up um it originally was my 30 before 30 list but I'm over 30 now so it was my 40 before 40 list and the only thing that I could do on the list that didn't involve going outside was to write a book so I was like stuck here for nobody knows how long. So let's try it and figure it out. And I'm like, I'll start with something small, no big deal. And that very quickly turned into a trilogy, which has just kind of rolled into now being a full-time author. Um, But I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the storytelling. Um, And once I got started, I basically just couldn't stop thinking of new ideas of things that I wanted to write. So I just went for it. That's pretty cool. It was like your perfect storm. So many COVID writers out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. And there was, I think everybody runs into that as readers is that you read books and you love the books, but you kind of go through it and you're like, Ooh, I would love to find a book that did this, or I would love to find a book that has this. And we all have that kind of bucket list thing. And you see it all over, all over social media of like, I'm looking for this book for my TBR. And so I had my own list of things like that as a reader. 
And so I was like, well, it's on my bucket list and I have things that I wish that I could find that I can't. So I'm going to do it. And then I did it. There you go. Oh, cool. I love that. You You were like, I want to read this, so I'm just going to write it. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I, I feel like you two should take that advice. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many things that you want to start writing. Yeah. We also, we've spoken to quite a few authors. It seems like the lockdown was sort of like a bit of a catalyst yeah. for a lot of people that had been wanting to write for, for a long time and it really got them kick-started, which is, is good. Yeah, I think so. I've talked to quite a few as well. It definitely kind of propelled me forward. There was a bit of like a hitch when kind of the world restarted. And then all of a sudden I had to like go back to full-time work and all of these different things. And I wasn't just at home 24 seven and trying to find balance in that was definitely difficult. Um, I'm full-time now, which makes it easier again, but it, it was a bit of a balancing act for a while. Crazy, but amazing. Yeah. And congratulations for being full-time. That's such a feat. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, any particular authors that you love? Oh goodness. Um, I, yes, of course there are. Um, I love Sierra Simone, Katie Roberts. Um, and then I am finding my, my, I almost have like a TBR of just authors to read, not necessarily specific books. As I've become an author and I've networked into this world, um, I keep like just my list keeps growing of like, oh my gosh, we write really similar things. I've got to read your stuff. Like this is so interesting to me because the reason I started writing it is because I wanted to read it. Um, but of course, I can't stand right like reading my own things. So I have this huge list of authors that I've now met or come into contact with or be, become friends with that I am trying to get through their books. Um, granted being an author now, it's a little harder to find time to read than it used to be. I used to just consume books like crazy. And now the time just isn't always there. Well, that leads me to what are you uh, reading right now? (laughs) Uh, right now I'm going through some of Sierra Simone's books that I hadn't read yet. So I'm currently reading American Prince and I'm listening to Priest. And then I have, uh, 13 books that I'm working on for myself right now 13 books that you're writing um in some stage of the process I'm in some stage of the process with yeah whether that's in one of my outlining phases in the writing phase in the editing phase or the publishing phase wow that's cool so what's coming out next we will go into what you've done before but now that we started talking about it let's get into it what's happening what's the deal what's going on well, um, so I, I just released a short story on my Patreon uh, today. Uh, I'm doing these kind of like not, non-canon Temple Brothers books, little short stories, little snippets and vignettes on Patreon. So I just released that today. Um, so I have 13 books I'm working on, and then I think I have seven short stories that I'm working on. Um, my next book that I'm writing, though, is actually a spinoff of my Temple Brothers series. Um, that is going to be a series of standalones that do not have to be read in order. And each book will feature a different aspect of kink that I don't always see in, uh, in books that I want to try to highlight and give space for. Can I ask like what one of the kinks are that you don't always say? Um, 
this first one that I, this next one that I will be, that I'm writing right now is actually, it's not necessarily about a kink per se, uh, but it's about what it's like to join a kink community. It's about like being a perfectly vanilla person who um, doesn't know things and what it's like to not just learn about it, like from a guy, but to like get involved in a local community, to go to classes, to educate yourself to do those different parts that we don't always see. Um, so that's what this first one is about. And just kind of like the overwhelming shock and things like sub frenzy that doesn't always get talked about in books. Um, that when you first find out about kink and all of a sudden you're like, I want to do everything, literally everything right this second, um, which is not always the safest thing to do. So I tried to put a lot of those safety aspects into my books um, just because I don't always see it. Um, another kink that I'll be putting into the books, um, I've got one that's going to be polyamory and kink, um, that highlights like the different types of dynamics that dynamics don't have to be relationships. They don't even have to be sexual. Uh, they can fit different needs and different purposes. Uh, I will also be doing, um, DDLG pet play. Um, different forms of edge play, whether it be fire play or electric play or things like that. Each, each one will get their own book. That's really interesting. Ooh, fancy. I'm yeah. That's I'm, I'm cool. excited to read those because I don't know much about the kink community, and I feel like the safest way to possibly approach it would be in the form of a book. It is. Um, my if I can like get on my plot my soapbox for like two seconds no, go for it. with that like the best thing to do is like get interested in fiction like in fiction books and then go read nonfiction for safety and be educated before you try but yes I think it's a really good way to learn and there's a there's a lot of good sources out there like in fiction there's a lot of authors who are really bringing light to what the community is like no that's true so I wanted to ask you, how do you like um, research these kinks? Do you research them yourself? I I have been Hard in the questions kink community with for thirteen years. Oh, you have that. So awesome. I've been a member of the community for 13, 13 years, and then the kinks that I don't participate in, and honestly, even the ones that I do, I still go back to the resources that I have, and I make sure that I'm um, hitting all of the good safety markers. I'm hitting all of the important facts. And then I go into kink communities that I'm a part of and I find people who engage in that kind of kink and I interview them. I talk to them. I make sure I'm hitting all of my key points and that I'm representing them in the best way that I can. If it's not something that I am a part of, because I think representation is a really important thing. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, and that's freaking awesome. Well done for bringing out these books. So I read the Temple Brothers series, which is what you wanted to speak about today. So do you want to give us yeah. a bit of an overview about what it's about? It's some I've never read anything like this before. I just want to make <laughs> that very clear. It is very, um, I don't know what the word for it is. It's like so out of this universe. I would never come <laughs> up with like an idea like this. It's wild. It is kind of wild. Um, yeah. It came to me in like the weirdest situation that it like popped in my head and then it just took on a life of its own. Uh, the Temple Brothers is a five book series uh, that is about five brothers, obviously, um, who were raised in a fundamentalist religious cult. 
And through kind of some interesting situations, they discovered kink and decided that they didn't want to be a part of this, this life, this was not for them, and they want to get out. Um, but they don't want to just get out on their own. So they decide to try the easiest and most like kind of stealthy way to get out of the cult is to go through with the arranged marriages that they're kind of forced to, to go through and to try to get them out as well. Um, of course, that it's not that easy to do. And there's lots of twists and turns and suspense as they near that finish line. Um, and lots of things are revealed and lots of subplots and things like that. Uh, but each brother has their own kind of kink, which is something that I had wanted to do in books. I hadn't figured out how I wanted to do it yet, but I liked the idea of each one of them having their own interests in that community. And so each brother has their own separate kind of kink that they engage in. Um, and I was able to explore that while having this really, I think, kind of cool religious cult crime suspense plot that goes on underneath it. You go hard into the religious it. cult, though, when you first, mm -hmm. the first sex scene in mm -hmm. the first, I think it's two books that you put it in graphically. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Or is it the first three? Yeah. yeah. I think it's the first two. Um, it's not something that you would see in many books, as in many smart mm -hmm. books. So um, how do I put this gently? So essentially, they're kind of forced to sexually assault each other. Yeah. Is that the best way to put it? I don't know how to I put it without it. I think it's the best way to put it. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so why did you decide to do that? Because that is not something that you would normally see in a smart book. No, it is not. Um, I wanted to kind of give, um, I wanted my readers to have a bit of a shock um, oh, into shocking. kind of the depth of malevolence of this cult. And so I did a lot of research into other cults that have existed and just other time periods, like things like that happened in um, different monarchies and royalty situations where they would have to kind of prove consummation. And so I took that, spun it a little bit and made it just that side of believable, I think. Um, but it needed to be this thing that I, I wanted it to feel kind of like a train wreck where you couldn't look away. Oh, you so. managed that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You, you got the shock factor down. I think that's what <laughs> no, taboo yeah. books give us. It, you know, like taboo yeah. give you the shock mm -hmm. factor with the understanding that in reality, no one is harmed. So you can engage in it and you don't feel guilty or bad about reading it because at the end of the day, like there was no person involved, like no real physical mm -hmm. thing was harmed. But then you get to like experience the emotion from it at the same time. I think I also wanted to highlight the fact that um, assault in situations like that can take a lot of forms and that I wanted to kind of play into some trauma aspects and kind of build that character development for my two characters on two opposing sides. So like as the books go through, there are times where there's like flashbacks to those moments or we kind of, we get it from the brother's perspective. We get it from their wives' perspectives. We get to see what it was like for both parties and see what that was like. 
And I think it just plays into some fun, emotional and traumatic experiences to kind of give that depth into my, into the characters. Yeah. Well, your female characters come in pretty naive when you first, yeah. When you first meet them and they have serious character development, like they go through journeys, these girls, um, how did you, I feel like it would be so difficult, like knowing so much of the world, trying to make it believable to write a character who knows nothing. Like, how did you go through that process? Um, part of it was, uh, oof, I'm trying to decide the best way to word this. Um, Sorry. <laughs> wait, no, it's okay. No. It's all right. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, Thank you. I one pride of the myself things on that... interviewing people. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I love about writing for me, it's purely a selfish thing, is that I am able to use it to process my own traumas, my own pasts, um, and things that... Um, kind of give my my inner child a bit of space sometimes and so what I tend to do in those situations is I kind of think back to times where like I didn't know anything and like you kind of like tap into that naivety and figure out what it was like just discovering things on your own and tapping into that and letting that play out and giving it a guiding hand um, can be really therapeutic yeah, it's wild. The The character development of all of them along the way is really crazy. Um, let's get into something fun, though. Okay. Um, do you have any particular smart scenes that you love in those books? Uh, it's all going to turn serious. I'm so sorry. I do. Oh, really? <laughs> in book two, um, I wrote a lot of trauma in these books. They they get heavy. You did. Um, that is true. There's... <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So I have a two-part answer on this. Uh, The easy answer is in book two, there's a moment where our main main people are Delilah and Bartholomew, who goes by Ollie, um, and they get paid a visit from the reverend, who's our big evil bad guy. And he sits there and basically just berates Delilah, who is my amazing plus-size queen and I just adore everything about her and he berates her he puts her down in ways that it's just awful and grotesque and it's things that I heard have heard throughout my life I've heard friends of mine have been told these things it's all of those internal voices that stick with you forever that just kind of play in the back of your brain he voiced and they couldn't do anything about it and so afterwards she kind of just breaks Um, and Ollie being a pleasure dom, he's our pleasure dom of the brothers, um, ends up, he, he bathes her. He like washes the moment away and then replaces it by setting her down on this chase lounge that he has and putting a mirror in front of it. And he touches different parts of her bodies, the, all of the cellulite, the scars, the, um, stretch marks, the, all of the lumps and bumps and things we don't like about each other, uh, about ourselves. I mean, and 
he points out all the things he loves and why he loves them and why they're important. And it turns into this incredible sex scene. And I just really enjoyed kind of the arc of that moment from the trauma to washing it away and replacing it with the truth. And I thought it was really kind of poignant. Um, and it was really good for me to like kind of try to push those voices away that I've heard and voices that I've like things I've said to myself over the years and push them away and replace them with the fact that I'm okay in my own skin as I am. So that was probably my favorite smut scene that I've written. It's hot, it's super spicy, and it's just, I think it hits home for a lot of people. I think a lot of us have those internal voices that tell us really negative things. So that's probably my favorite. And if I had to pick a, a part two, it's probably one of Malachi and Eden in book five, like, he is our primal, primal dom, and that was just a lot of fun to write. It's just dirty and gritty and muddy and is hot, or is it just my animalistic? <laughs> so that was a lot of fun <laughs> to write. A lot of those were cool. They they were like some of them. I feel like it was um, a little bit difficult to get from. There was like such a smooth transition from like their first time having sex into like moving it into kink because it would be very difficult to like move into smut after something so traumatic. So you did a really good job with that, by the way. Just thank you. My input, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, thank you. Okay, so uh, which one is your favorite out of the Temple Brothers? Zeke. Ezekiel Fair is enough. my favorite. He has, yeah. Yes, he has a disorder of some kind. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yes. it? He has misophonia, um, which oh, it was fun to research, um, but a lot of people have it. And it's that thing where some people can't stand the sound of other people chewing. It's that That's thing, me. but to a, to an extreme degree. So noises and sounds just can be they can be painful for him and more importantly they raise his anxiety to a point where he just can't he doesn't know what to do with it and so everyone kind of misunderstands him they don't understand what like they just kind of think he's odd um but he's not he just doesn't like to be around crowds and other things and loud noises um he's our edge play guy so he does a lot of um wax play and electric play and um, sensory and he's really into sensory deprivation because he can't control how he perceives sensory things like sound. So he controls it for someone else. And so he will take away, like there's a whole scene, a whole thing that goes through with their scenes where he starts slowly by like putting on a blindfold and then he'll like put earphones in her head um, or uh, earplugs in her ears. So she can't hear anything. And then he'll like light candles. So there's specific smells that she smells in a scene. And then there's a touch scene where there's like painful sensations and soft sensations and lots of different things to feel. And then there's one that's like food based. And so it's about taste and things like that. So he goes through the five senses of scenes with her, which is, I think, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really good. It was actually, I've never read, um, like sensation play like that, uh, like that before. It was actually really well done. Um, and it did suit his personality because he was in the first two books, you're kind of like, what's going on with this guy? Like, why does he keep disappearing in, um, all these like familial get togethers? And he just, yeah, decides to 
run away a lot of the time and it's really good to kind of get an understanding of him in the third book and that he is actually really sweet and their dad is just a prick <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> he's probably my favorite um, there's there's something sweet about him that I just really like and then to see the dark side of him come out is just delicious <laughs> um if you could pick one of your characters to be with in real life who would it be and why That is a very, very good question. I would probably say Zeke. Um, I think Zeke has really good balance. Um, he has this intensity that I I enjoy. I enjoyed writing that intensity and I enjoy intense um, things like that. I enjoy like passionate conversations and debate and, you know, things like that. I'm a very driven person, but he has this, this, calm about him this quiet that I think is also needed especially as somebody who can be rather outspoken like having somebody to kind of calm you is really great I just I think he's a really well-developed character and I would want to be with somebody like that in real life yeah no fair enough we all need a bit of calm in our lives <laughs> some of us yeah. more than others um and tell us how do you come up with the ideas for your books Oh, goodness. Um, the Temple Brothers was a weird one. Um, that I came up with, I was honest, I was fighting like a cold or some sickness. And I was binge watching Criminal Minds. And it just kind of came to me. And I was like, I could write a, I, I bet there could be a romance book about this. And my husband was like, what? Like, you're watching Criminal Minds. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, but how cool would that be? Like, to like, make something like that. And it just the seed was planted and it kind of happened outside of that. Um, it's kind of a good mixture of figuring out things that I'd like to see in books that I haven't seen, or I, um, you know, just because I haven't seen them doesn't mean they don't exist, but maybe they're underrepresented. And so I have a list of things like that. And then this is kind of my guilty pleasure when it comes to being an author. It's that I will go and search for like it's like my rabbit hole to go to the the pre-made book cover sites and I will just flip through it like it's TikTok and I'll look at book covers and I'll find one and I'll be like ooh that's a gorgeous cover I bet I could write a book that has blah 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 and I'll just come up with ideas and so I will take like I'll I'll write it all down and I make I have a big list of books I want to write based on just scrolling through book covers and things like that it sounds like it's like Pinterest, but for yeah. all kind of, yeah, <laughs> like inspiration. Yeah, it's um, and I found that it's easier for me to like see a cover and get like a concept than it is to like write the book and then try to fit the cover to my concept. Sometimes, um, if I already have a good idea of where I'm going and what I'm wanting, it I think it works well for me at least. So yeah, it's just random inspiration that comes from different artwork and things like that it's so bizarre how cool. authors brains had work that before yeah because yeah. i would see a book cover and i'd be like it's a book cover and then i'd move on with my life but you see a book cover and you're like that's a book right there like i've got that book. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is what? betty <laughs> let's I... add some pages behind it there you go yeah 
I am also uh, I'm very type A, so I have lists for my lists for my lists, and they're usually color coded. Um, so I also will go into like groups on Facebook or Instagram and like, uh, but especially like Facebook groups and you see, you see the posts that happen in some of these bigger groups where they're like, what are the things, um, what's the trope you hate the most or what's the one thing you can't stand in books. And I like keep a running list of like what the, the, like the big things are and, or the things that like, what's one thing you wish you could find in a book. And then I, I have a list of different things that people seem to want to find or that they don't like. And I try to write to that market. What do people not like? I think it's cheating. I always what, find cheating. I was just about to say cheating or pregnancy. Those are the two um, big cheating. No-nos. Cheating is a really big one. Um, or it's not like there's some that are like, Nope, give me all the cheating books. Uh, which I've run into that problem a little bit since I do write polyamory occasionally. And they're like, oh, no, I don't write cheating. And I'm like, nope, that's not cheating. Not the same thing. So I have to be really careful in how I mark it and make sure that if it says polyamory, it also says no cheating. Because mm-hmm. um, it's all agreed upon. It's all consented to. Everything's good. Um, things that people don't like. Um, right now, I've seen a lot of uh, people not liking enemies to lovers. What? Like they're kind what? of just over. <laughs> Shoot them. <laughs> No, they don't exist in this world for us. I'm sorry. They do not deserve to read. You do if you do not like enemies to love us, stop reading and go, I don't know, find another fucking That's like the only thing I like. I know. I I love them too, so I totally understand. (laughs) This is one thing that Um, we as a podcast can agree on. It is one of the best tropes that there is. I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm actually offended. (laughs) One of the one of the biggest things that, that readers I've seen will fight over is um cock versus dick oh for fuck's what sake, word you man. use huh <laughs> or like so what word do you use for like female anatomy same thing oh they're God. like ooh, don't say that Ooh, don't say that and i'm like i, I can't make any of you happy you so i'm just gonna go with it it's fine so many people hate one and the other people it's don't like the word or cunt. people Those don't the like the two. word cunt that's a very like people oh, are very definitive it. on that but word. in australia yeah, I know, but I in Australia, it's just such a common <laughs> word, and I just feel like it's an yeah, everyday it's, it's language. Like a, it's quite a casual yeah. word. Whereas in the states, yeah. if you drop that word, people are like, <gasps> "How dare you!" And here, they're like, "Wait, cunt, what you doing?" Like it's a normal everyday thing. Yeah. I hear it at least fifteen times a day when my partner speaks to his surfing friends, and he's like, "Yeah, cunt, let's go surfing," and I'm like, "What is going on?" But if you did that in America, people would like pass out. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it it can be a, a really big thing sometimes. Um, the other thing I see a lot of is um, the pregnancy trope. Yeah. Something a lot of people don't like the pregnancy trope, which that's fair, fine, and valid. Some people love um, it. And then uh, one of the ones that I really latched onto from a couple of months ago was a bunch of people were having this great conversation in a group about how they wanted their the side characters to be less two-dimensional like don't just have the best friend who shows up at the right time for a conversation like have the bestie who won't stop bothering you like who won't stop texting you and like as you're just like ride or die person like like make them more three-dimensional give them their own love interest that like it's not necessarily part of the the plot but it's talked about it's 
it's conversations you have conversations with your, with your friends aren't one-sided. Like you go back and forth, but in books, a lot of times we just see the one side where it's just all about that one person. This kind of reminds me of like, say you swear. That was one of the favorite things that we had about that book was the side character. I forgot what her name is, but she actually had like substance behind her and that's what made Mm -hmm. her amazing. So yeah, yeah, I've never actually really thought about that, but that's true. Yeah. I've super latched onto it and I've worked really hard to like develop my characters in a different way. Um, which I think has been a lot of fun to just grow as an author. Cool. So what advice do you have for female authors out there who are looking to start writing? I feel like I could fill an entire podcast episode with just this question. (laughs) Um, like not like in a negative way, but there's, there's a lot of things that I've learned since I started because I started and I did everything wrong. Just everything which is great and fine and wonderful um have to take that hard hard difficult road um a couple of pieces of advice that I would give people especially female authors um and especially in romance because we're just really saturated with lots of new authors and things like that um there's a couple like key like phrases that I think it's really important to like wrap your arms around and just know it love it and own it um we are not competition Like we are not competing against each other. Not every book is for every reader. Not every book is for every reader in that moment. Lots of people are mood readers. Lots of people like different things. We don't compete. There is space for everyone. There is space for all the different ideas and books that are out there. And I think the sooner we, we stop the competitive attitudes and the more we try to network and uplift and support one another, the more successful we're all going to be. And honestly, the happier we're going to be, it's going to be way less useful. Um, But understanding that not every book is for every reader is super important. Um, You're going to get negative reviews and you're going to get all sorts of negative commentary and people who don't like you. And that's okay. It's totally fine. You're just, your books aren't for them. Don't you find And that's okay. Find find your people. Huh? Don't you find negative reviews hilarious? Like I think it's one of our favorite things to see is negative reviews. They're so fucking funny. I love them so much now. The first one I got, like, it broke me. I was so upset. But, like, it honestly became one of my best marketing tools. Because, like, this person, like, went off on, like, how abusive my books were. There was BDSM and whips and chains and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, yeah, keep going. Amazon won't let me talk about this. Fantastic. (laughs) Please advertise for me. (laughs) See, that's what I love about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Please run your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Run run your mouth. I can't. Sometimes when we read a negative review, we're like, we have to read this fucking book. Like this is this is amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, You know, you've made it when you get a really good negative review, though, because like if you get if somebody has taken the time to shit on you, it means that you're Mm -hmm. important somewhere. Especially when they write like their own book in the comment and like in the review, like it's just this masterpiece of all this explicit stuff that they're telling all of the details of the, like the dirty stuff in your books. I'm like, yes, please go, go for it. Absolutely. Put this on Amazon. Thank you very, very much. Um, so yeah, I think they're great now. I, they don't bother me anymore. Um, the, I think one of the other big pieces of advice that I would give female authors and just authors in general um, is 
kind of, it's been my mantra lately. And that is um, to stop searching for motivation and start cultivating your discipline. Um, which has been super big for me because when it comes to motivation and inspiration as an author, there's a lot of this like mood writing where you're like, I just, I don't have the words or like, I'm not in the mood to write, or I don't know what I want to say in this spot, or I'm stuck at this one spot, or I have writer's block. There's, there's a million things that we say. Um, and we can come up with every excuse in the book, just like anybody else can. Like, I'm tired. I worked really hard today on this stuff. I, don't feel great, whatever the case may be. Um, but you've got to push through. You've got to cultivate that discipline. And even if you write five words, you, you did the thing. You did the thing. And you've just got to keep moving forward. I found this great um, tip that I learned at a conference when it comes to writing. Um, that when you get stuck somewhere, in parentheses, I write insert, colon, and then I write a note to myself of what I want to put there. Because my brain just doesn't want to do that right now. And I want to move on to like whatever's happening next. And I'll put notes of whatever that's going to be. I cannot tell you how many times I haven't been in the mood to write a smut scene. And I end up writing insert colon. They doinked. This is. And then I just like list out different things they did in the scene. And then I end the parentheses and I move on to the dialogue again, like later on in the exposition. That's where I want to be in that moment. And then I go back to all of my things in editing and I put in all the doinking and it's great. It's fine. Um, but it just keeps me writing. And I think that's been really helpful. So. Okay. Well, thank you. That's a you. piece of advice, I think. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank you so much for joining us, Elle. What's happening yeah. next week? I don't know, George. George, you're just going to have to do this <laughs> segment every single episode now. I'm so sorry. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> next week we'll be talking about birthday girl oh, by penelope that's douglas that's a good one yeah yeah that's our next well thank one. you so much for joining us l you have been thank so insightful me. and whoever hasn't read it read your book start with leviticus it's fantastic but make sure you read the trigger warnings with this one have a beautiful saturday slash friday guys happy birthday george keep it real party hard thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Girls Who Read Porn. Follow us at Girls Who Read Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for all business inquiries, please send us an email on girlswhoreadporn at gmail.com. Art created by Jessica Wanny and music made by Dane Forgy Stevens. See you next week and stay smutty, team. <laughs>